I have a question for you guys. Being from Bozeman, you know, I, uh, we're kind of clueless down there a lot of the time. But how many of you in the last week or two have got yourselves into something where you thought you were prepared for it, you thought you were ready, and you weren't ready? Can I see a show of hands? Did you get yourself into anything? Maybe a test, right? Yeah? You know, my wife, Julie, and I, God bless her, she, uh, we went back to West Virginia here. Uh, her family, the Varney family, they're the Varneys, uh, grew up back there for generations. And I'd never been back there, but we went back for a uh, memorial service for her uncle. And uh, we flew to Cincy, drove into West Virginia, and it had rained all week. And, uh, you know, so we had been wearing the appropriate apparel. Well, that Saturday, we went out to the cemetery. Now, her parent, her mom, grew up one of nine kids in Crum, West Virginia. If anybody's <laughs> ever heard of Crum, I'd be surprised. But uh, they actually didn't even grow up in Crum. Crum is like a block long. They grew up in a holler. Anybody know what a holler is in West Virginia? Yeah, a few, Yeah real windy, narrow valley called Silver Creek, and it's outside there. Well, we went there for the memorial service, and the Varney clan, the family, uh, has been there for several hundred years. In fact, they have some very famous cousins you might have heard of called the Hatfields and the McCoys. <laughs> I am serious. Of course, I told Bob, I think everybody in West Virginia is related to everybody. <laughs> but the Hatfields and McCoys are like a holler over the hill, you know? But anyway, we went to the cemetery. The family's been there so long, they have their own private cemetery up on the side of the holler. And there, you know, the trees are so heavily forested, they had cut this spot out on the side of the hill. And we drove to the, up, up, the, up the valley, up the holler, parked at the base, and went up to, for the service. And, you know, there were headstones there from way back in the early 1800s. It's way different than here. But we got together, we gathered, and we were waiting for the pastors to come from the Baptist church down at the base of the holler. And uh, when they, they finally showed up, they got out of the car. They were dressed a little bit differently than Bob and I. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I noticed they were wearing very brightly colored shirts, dark pants. I kind of expected like a tall black hat, you know, and black <laughs> tails. But they came up, and uh, we're, you have to kind of have to set the stage here, but we're up from the grave. Uh, David's grave is here, and literally the pastors are about right here, Okay. And we're standing there, and they're dressed in this bright blue and yellow. And the pastor starts the service, the first one. He says, you know, this isn't my normal shirt for, the, for, the, for a funeral. He said, but David, every time I saw him, he would tell me a joke or a story would make me laugh. So I wanted to honor him with this shirt. And I thought that was a great way to start it out. Mm-hmm. So as we start the service, we're standing there, my wife and I. And right when they start talking, I feel a raindrop on the back of my head. Yeah, exactly, right? And then another one, then another one, then another one. I look up, and there's this great big dark cloud that's literally materialized out of nowhere, kind of like the the mountains here in Montana, right? And I'm sitting there thinking, we're standing there, the pastors are there, Uncle David's grave's right here, and the rain's coming down quick. And you know all these thoughts go through your head? My first thought is, I'm not ready. (laughs) We're not ready. My beautiful wife's not ready. We don't have a jacket. We don't have any kind of head covering, and it's coming down fairly hard. And I looked down at the cars down there, and I thought, I'm just going to bolt for the car, make a run for it, right? And then I thought, no, these are all my in-laws behind me. (laughs) I don't want to disrespect them or anybody else. Thankfully, a local girl, West Virginia girl, one of Julie's uh, cousins, uh, reaches over at that moment and hands us not one but two umbrellas. And we deployed one, and I reached down, and I handed the other one to the pastors in front of me who were, yes, quite thankful because Mm -hmm. their shirts by this time had gotten a lot darker. (laughs) And, uh, you know, 
we weren't ready. And, and, and there were consequences for that. They weren't life and death. But the rest of the day when we went to her cousin's house for, you know, the after memorial service and dinner and all that, let's just say we stayed damp all day, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Undergarments, everything. We were damp. And there were, so there were consequences for that. And I was glad that there were umbrellas there. But, uh, you know, there's times in life where consequences, if you're not ready for things, can be much more damaging. They can be even life and death, you know. And one of the things that I want you to take a look at, there are life and death consequences, and I believe we have a video clip, right? We do. Okay, we're going to show you that and then go from there. So if you're a uh, Lord of the Rings fan, any of you? The King, yeah, Theoden? Yeah, he's good. Theoden says, you know, I will not risk open war. I'm not ready for open war. And the prince goes, open war is upon you, whether you're ready or not. We're going to talk today about that. Uh, the spiritual war that we're in, open war is upon us, whether we're ready or not. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to look at are a couple of things. One is how do we get ready for the battle? How are we ready when the surprises hit us? Also, we're going to look at the shoes, as Bob referenced earlier. How do the shoes tie to that readiness? And finally, we're going to look at the gospel of peace and not only how we can stand ready in the battle, but we can actually move forward in the battle. Okay? And most importantly, if you have your notes, we're going to look at the big idea today, which is the gospel readies me for peace. The gospel readies me for peace. And I'm excited about that. You know, a lot of days, though, probably like you, when I get up in the morning, the last thing I'm ready for is a battle. I'm more ready for a cup of coffee. Can I get an amen? All right, I got an amen. Yeah. Especially this, these guys' hand-roasted coffee. I highly recommend that. Very nice. Yes, it's good stuff. But I'm not ready for war. And, but you know what? We are in a war. And I was reminded yesterday, driving up here from, uh, from Bozeman, as I turned on the radio and kind of did a little radio surfing, uh, listening to a couple of talk radio shows. You know, the number of times I heard us referenced in war was incredible. You know, right now, the war on terror, right? A lot of you are in the Air Force here. We're in that war. You know, the war on the unborn. I heard that. The war on marriage. The war on transgender. All these wars that are these big wars, these cultural wars that we're battling right now, and also the battles that we fight, you know, uh, that when we're, we're, we're in a battle daily, you know, sometimes it's just a work battle. Sometimes it's relational and family, right? It's also sometimes when we run into illness or it can be financial. Mm -hmm. There's all these battles that we're in. So we're usually in a battle. We're definitely in a war all the time. And, you know, the mistake that we can make sometimes is when we get into that, when we're surprised by it, when war comes upon us, we battle the wrong people. That's our, we react, right? If we're not ready, we react to it. And we can battle the wrong people. We can battle family and ruin relationships or friends. Or worse yet, we get in a battle with God where we blame God and we, we damage that relationship. So, you know, one of the one things that I want to share with you is when you look at some of these battles, some of the damages that can cause. You know, marriage is one that uh, we encounter quite a little bit, and mm -hmm. I'm new on staff, but marriages can unravel, right? And when they do, spouses battle, and then parents of spouses get involved sometimes, and they battle, and sometimes the kids get drug into it. Mm -hmm. And in the end of that, if one of the spouses or both are believers, they start calling out to God and say, God, why... Why are you letting my marriage fall apart? Mm -hmm. And they start battling God. There's times when you run into illness. A good friend of mine 
healthy as in my age, 57, that uh, just was notified that he has pancreatic cancer. Mm. You know, he was fine six months ago. Mm-hmm. Now he's told he's, his, his lifespan is measured in years, or in months, not years. Yeah. And, and when you hear that, you go, God, why? You know, I mean, he's a believer, why? You know, and, and we're praying for him, and, and healing can come. But if it doesn't, we ask the question, why? And then we have temptations, the things we run into that we battle day to day. Sometimes it's uh, dependencies, it's, it's drugs, it's alcohol, it can be pornography, things that we pray and pray for, and we keep falling back into temptation. And we ask God, why, why won't you help me overcome this? It can even be things in the workplace, you know, where your boss passes you up for a promotion. And your first inclination is to go to your coworkers and, st- and start undermining his authority. It can be in the church. It can be a small group, right, a connect group. I love that about this church. But if a connect group leader says something or does something and it, and it t- ticks you off, and so you go talk to another member in the group and mm-hmm. you start to undermine them. These are the battles that we fight. And what I want you to see is that a lot of times we're fighting the wrong people, right? We're fighting each other, we're fighting our family, or we're fighting God when the real enemy, Satan, the father of lies, the great deceiver, he's out there stirring all this crap up, tearing mm-hmm. up families, tearing up, trying to disrupt this relationship, and he runs amok, and he, and he goes off. So what we want to do today is help you. Bob's going to unpack Ephesians a little bit and how you can stand ready when these surprises hit you. All right. Yeah, the gospel readies me for battle. That, that's the bottom line today, and that's the thing that we want to get across to everybody is that the gospel, the gospel of peace, readies me for battle. So let's go to Ephesians. We're starting in chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. I'm reading out of the ESV, if you have an electronic device there. Uh, if not, just read out of your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible available, we do have Bibles in the back that you can use and borrow for today. And if you don't have one at home, it's yours to keep. Ephesians 6.14 says this, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. There's another translation that that starts out like this, and, and this is really cool. When you put on these pieces of armor, you will stand firm and hold your ground. So we've talked about the belt of truth being our foundation and the breastplate of righteousness covering our mortal organs that could be mortally attacked by the enemy. And now we're talking about shoes. And when I think about shoes or when I think about footwear, well, I think of my wife, first of all, right, ladies? <laughs> you guys like shoes. Yeah, I got to give it to you there. And Jean does a really great job of picking out shoes and, and, and looking for deals and stuff like that. So... But she loves shoes and shoes for every outfit and person and what have you. But I also think about other types of footwear as well. Golfing. You know, if you have golf shoes, golfing shoes have little spikes in the bottom. They give you, you know, good grip when it's slick out there. If you golf maybe early in the morning and you got the dew and stuff like that and the tee box might be a little slick, this gives you a firm plant so, you know, your ball goes where you want it to. Well, mine doesn't all the time, but that's okay. I still like playing or, or maybe bowling. For those of you bowlers, you know that you have bowling shoes. 
And I know I never, I used to bowl uh, for years and years. I haven't bowled in a long time, but I never bought my own bowling shoes. I probably should have, but you know, you can rent them at the bowling alley, right? So that's what I used to do. But there's specific shoes for bowling, for hiking, there's specific shoes. If you play tennis, basketball, I mean, there's, there is footwear for all kinds of different applications, and each one does and has a different function depending on the surface that you're on and depending on the game that you're playing. We have a friend down in Bozeman, Stan Dykstra, uh, who cuts wood for a living, and he goes out, and, and obviously he has an extra set of spikes on his shoes because when he's cutting wood, you know, logs are round and stuff, and you want to make sure that you grip on the logs depending on how big they are and what you're cutting. So he has spikes in his shoes so that he can have a firm footing when he's doing his job or doing his profession. So there's all kinds of shoes. And what we're going to take a look, we have just a video, no audio, but we're going to run a video and it's the Roman shoes that we're talking about. The shoes that Paul saw when he was in prison. Go ahead and run that, uh, that video. Now here we see the Roman sandals and they're, they're actually called Caligae. And they were cut from a single piece of leather for greater strength. They were laced up around the ankle for better stability. And, and they were open to allow the foot to breathe. And then here in a second, you're going to see on the bottom, uh, they actually had hobnails pounded in because you had a double sole. And so there's the hobnails for grip as they were marching and as they were in battle and they, as they were standing their ground or as they were moving forward, what have you. Uh, this allowed the, the Roman soldier to march further and and with less wear and tear on their feet so you can go ahead and go to the next uh, slide thank you very much for that so these shoes are the shoes that make us ready for battle well you're probably thinking how do those shoes get us ready for battle well I have an answer for you because remember what Paul had said he said the gospel of peace the gospel readies me for battle so those shoes that he's talking about are grounded in the gospel of peace. The gospel, we've defined that word from time to time. It simply means good news or good story. Now, if you look at the old English words for good, uh, peace also means, or gospel means good, and it means spell in old English. Well, that's kind of weird. So what does that mean? Well, I looked up what good meant, uh, and good means good. So, so that's good, right? So good <laughs> means good, but spell means news or story. And you've probably heard uh, the gospel being called the good news. But I, I like the idea of thinking as the gospel as a good story. And we're going to talk a little bit about that here in a few moments, what that story has to do with this whole gospel of peace that we're talking about. Now, the gospel of Jesus or the good news that Jesus brings to us is the best story ever told, right? There's a movie, the, great, the greatest story ever told. And that is the best news that we could ever hear. And it's true. It's a true story. And it's the best story that you can ever hear about how Jesus brought us peace with God. That's what Jesus did on the cross. Through his death and resurrection and his sacrifice, he brought us into peace with God. I don't know if you ever thought about that before. Romans 5.11 says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. And here's something else that I think we need to know. If you're in relationship with Jesus, if you're a follower, if you're a believer with Jesus, 
we are not at war with God. Uh, Jeff talked a little bit about that. Sometimes the enemy comes in and, and, and messes things up in our mind. And we get to think in that we're in war with God and we get angry with God. But we are not in war with God. God isn't mad at you. He doesn't disapprove of you. Uh, he's not fighting against us. The good news is, or the good story, is that Jesus brought you peace with God. That's the bottom line. And that's part of the gospel of peace, is that Jesus brought us peace with God through his sacrifice. Jesus is the truth, and that's signified by the belt of truth. Jesus made you right with God, and that's signified by that breastplate of righteousness that we talked about. So part of the good news today is because Jesus did battle for us first and brought this peace to us through his sacrifice. We are not at war with God. The gospel, the good news, the good story readies me and it readies you for battle. I want to share with you guys a a battle that went on that I, I really never saw. When you think of when Jesus actually did battle for us, God on earth, when he battled for us. I think of the, the temptation in the wilderness, 40 days, where he battled Satan. And you obviously think of the cross and what Jesus went through, right? But there was a time, if you remember, going back to uh, the Last Supper, uh, Jesus and the disciples in the upper room. After the Last Supper, they retired to the Garden of Gethsemane. And the, I love things in context. I like history too, Nate. But <laughs> love it. Uh, but contextually, the Garden of Gethsemane was like a, a park, a city park. And it was up on the Mount of Olives, which was a mountain that was a little bit higher than Jerusalem. And it was up there. It was cooler. You know, in the desert, it was quiet. And after the Last Supper, they went up there to retire, okay? And what's interesting is this is the day before Jesus' crucifixion. He knows what's coming. You know, Jesus is all God and all man. He was prepared for what was coming, but he wasn't ready yet. So he steps back, the disciples get together, and they're all sitting down after the meal, reclining, probably laying out on, on, on the grass. Jesus retires farther back and gets away from his disciples. And I'm going to catch a few of the gospel writers, how they record this. Matthew chapter 26, verse 38, in his gospel, he, the Jesus, told his disciples, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Have you ever felt that way? You ever had a lo- lost a loved one or a friend and you just felt crushed? Jesus knew what was coming. He was prepared, but he wasn't ready. So he got down on his knees and started praying. And during those prayers, he said, are you sure, God? Are you sure? Mm-hmm. He's prepared, but he's not ready. Luke records, chapter 22, verse 44, He, Jesus, prayed more fervently. Remember that word fervently. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. The word fervently, I look that up, and that means to have or show great intensity of spirit. Feeling, it's even related to hot, burning, or glowing. I don't know if you've ever been that intense in prayer. But Jesus was that intense. He knew what he was facing. And literally his body was physically reacting to this intensity. He was, he was sweating. You can you imagine that? That, that? That's just amazing. And as he's praying this, and this prayer goes on all night long, you know, he literally is asking God, are you sure, God, are you sure? 
Matthew records the third time that Jesus got down in verse 20, or chapter 26, verse 42. This is the third time, and this is deep into the night. Matthew says, my father, this is Jesus, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Mm -hmm. Your will be done. At this point, Jesus is, is ready. He's gotten the father's answer that this cup will not pass. So while Jesus is readying himself for this battle, it's going to be the the longest day of his life. John chapter 18, verse 2 and 3, records another story that's going on. It says, Judas, the betrayer, knew this place, this place being the Garden of Gethsemane, because Jesus had gone there often with the disciples. So the leading priests and the Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now, here's something that's really interesting. When you, when you start teaching and collaborating, you start digging deeper into it. You know, all the films I ever saw, you'd see these guys come up to the garden, and there's maybe, what, 20, 30 of them? Mm. But the Roman records, the Jewish records, indicate there were over 600 men that came up, 600 soldiers. Roman soldiers, temple guards, they came up. And it says... These contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. So can you imagine, you're up in this kind of quiet park, this garden. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the sound of 600 soldiers coming up the hill toward Jesus and the disciples? I mean, with lanterns, I mean, the the sight, the sound, you know, the caligae, the shoes on the road. Who knows? We don't know what they were chanting. They might have been in battle, you know, how they would bang their swords and their shields. But this was not a quiet group coming up the hill. And John 18, verse 4, says, Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. He knew he was ready. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for, Jesus said. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And this is what's amazing. When we talk about God battling for us, Jesus battling for us, verse 6, chapter 18 of John. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that? Think about these soldiers because these guys, in those days it was all hand-to-hand, close quarter combat, right? If you went down, what happened? If you fell to the ground, mm-hmm. you're done. done. Yeah, you're dead meat. These guys, I'm sure, are in battle posture. And Jesus steps out. He steps out, and he walks out, and he mm-hmm. said that I can't begin to replicate. I am he. Mm-hmm. It wasn't I'm he. It was all God. I am he, and blowing 600 soldiers off their feet and onto their backs. That's, that's power, isn't it? Wow, that's, that's a wow. That's an amen, right? Can I get an amen? That is the gospel. Jesus, the good news, the gospel, right? Readies me for battle when I know that. He's, he's not a meek, mild man. He stood up and blew 600 trained soldiers off their feet. And can you imagine the disciples standing there? So would you guys do me a favor? Would you all stand up? I'm not going to make you do anything weird. Would you just stand up and close your eyes for a minute? Just stand up and close your eyes. I, I, wanna, I just want to help, help me help you picture in your mind. Just 
Think about the fact that we are all, as, as Christ followers, as believers, we are all Jesus' disciples. And we're standing there in the garden, and Jesus is right next to us. And up the road comes 600 soldiers. You know, lanterns, blazing torches, the sound of weapons, shields. We're standing there watching this. What's going through your mind? You know, I'm thinking, I'm a dead man. (laughs) There's 11 of us plus Jesus. They're going to take us all, and I'm not even going to see the morning. And we're standing there watching this, and I'm just thinking about my life. And then all of a sudden, I, I look over, and Jesus steps out in front of me and puts himself between me and the world, between me and this, this army that's intent on destroying me. The gospel readies me for battle. Amen. And as I watch, he asks. Jesus knew what was going to happen to him, but he still says, who are you looking for? And I'm thinking as one of his disciples, they're looking for us all. They're looking for me. And he says, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And I, I'm filled with peace for a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed, but all of a sudden I know that my life might be spared. And Jesus is going to, he's going to take this punishment. He's going to take this burden. And the gospel readies me for battle. I'm excited. And I thank you, Jesus, that you fill me. Yes, your peace fills me that I can face this army, this battle, this war. And I know right now I can see you in my mind's eye that you're standing mm-hmm. in front of me, mm-hmm. doing battle for me. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and open your eyes, grab a seat. Now, the best story in the world tells us that Jesus brought us to peace with God. The best story in the world tells us that Jesus brought us peace with God. And I made mention of this. If you're a follower of Jesus, uh, you're not at war with God. On the contrary, God fights for us. Now, that's the theme that we have for this Armor of God series. And that was a great song that we sung during our worship time, that God fights for us. But that's not all. This gospel of peace that we're talking about, it, it isn't just the story of Jesus. It's also your story, too. The story of how you came to know who Jesus is. The story of how you humbled yourself and let Jesus be the Lord of your life. The story uh, of how you have experienced this peace in your life. That's a weapon. That's powerful testimony, we call it. When you get to share and when you get to tell your story about how Jesus brought you peace with God. As we wrap up this lesson today, uh, we just have a couple more things that we're going to do. But I, I want to I call your attention to a book of the Bible in the back. It's called Revelation. And in chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, and then verse 11, it says this. There was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, The one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. Now we go to verse 11. They have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by 
their testimony. And some versions say by the word of their testimony. So the enemy, Satan, was defeated by the blood of the lamb and is also defeated by the word of our testimony. So if we look carefully at this, we see that Jesus defeated Satan. And he defeated Satan at the cross is when all that went down. And when Jesus rose again, then Satan was defeated by Jesus. But we also know that the enemy is around here now in the spiritual realms, and we don't fully understand it or grasp it, but we know it exists. We've talked about that before, that we wrestle against spiritual forces, not against flesh and blood. And Jeff talked a little bit about that. But since Satan has been defeated by Jesus, he tries to mess with us then. But we have to know a couple things, and we've talked about this, that we have the same spirit inside of us that rose Jesus from the dead, first of all. That's the spirit that resides inside of every believer. And then the second thing is, is that we can defeat the enemy by the word of our testimony. By the word of our testimony. The good story. I'm going to have Jeff share his good story right now before we close. Thanks, Bob. Uh, if you guys got your personal testimony worksheet, I think we handed we those out. We don't have that out yet, but we don't. We there are. are ushers, and they're going to be handing oh. those out as you tell your story. Okay. I uh, use this for that, but I'll real quick tell my, my story that uh, I grew up in the Black Hills, South Dakota, Rapid City area, if you're familiar with that, Mount Rushmore or Sturgis, depending if you're a biker. But uh, I was raised in a family of uh, engineers, uh, very smart men, uh, grandfather, father, but no faith. Uh, was not a Christ follower, didn't even go to church. And my parents, um, they stayed together while they were building the business. My dad had his own engineering business. And uh, we, we lived well. Um, we lived too well, actually, uh, materially-wise. Uh, but at 14, my, my father had a series of moral failures, you call them now, adulteries. And my mom divorced, and we went from living uh, on three acres and 4,400 square feet to a small house on a small lot. And you know what? I was angry. I was 14. I felt like my future had been taken from me. Uh, I was uncertain. Uh, you know, I was trying to protect my mom. It was just myself and my sister. And, uh, you know, I let's just say at the time I hated my dad. I can't think of a better word for it. Mm. I hate to use that right now. But um, what I did is, I, like a lot of guys, when, you, when you, you, you encounter heartbreak and that kind of thing, even at 14, I poured myself into my work. I found two jobs, right? Because I wanted a car, and there was no money for a car. Mm-hmm. My mom said she, house, clothing, food. I mean, I wasn't destitute, but, you know, I had to have a car. So I started working, saved up for a car, turned 16. So two years go by, still no faith, but I had a car. And then guess what? With mobility, you get into trouble, right? Mm-hmm. And thankfully back then, the DUI laws were a lot less, you know, aggressive than they are today. But I started drinking, you guys. I, I, was, I was in athletics, and so I didn't get into the drug scene, but I, I, I got into the alcohol scene. I got into the party scene. I got into the girl scene. You know, all the, all the stuff you want to try out. And uh, I even got into trouble. I, I haven't shared this, but uh, I was with some guys. I just got with the wrong crowd. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget a good friend of mine. His father was the uh, station, the FBI station chief in Rapid City. And we went out one night drinking, and we literally burned a cross on a yard. Hmm. That was like the lowest point right there. And I knew um, the FBI, 
didn't take that kindly, let me tell you. We were on the run. We were hiding. We were hiding in a culvert. I mean, there were cops all of a sudden everywhere. Mm-hmm. And what have I done? What am I doing? You know, I'll never forget, you guys, the, a couple days later, I'm down in the basement of my house by myself, uh, no church, and I turned the TV on, right? Back then, three channels. <laughs> Great. But I turned to a channel, and there's Billy Graham. And he's doing one of his great big stadium events, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, I heard him say a couple of things. I heard him say, you know what, Um, if you die tonight, you know, do you know without the shadow of a doubt that you'll be in heaven? You'll be spend eternity with Jesus. And I thought, no, I don't know without a shadow of a doubt. I don't even think I would be. And and I thought I was in hell on earth, but now I don't want to spend hell in eternity. And then he also said, he says, you know, if you... If you'll come down, he's talking to the crowd, but if you'll get down on your knees, wherever you're at, and you'll accept Jesus as your Lord, he will do heart surgery on you. He will put a new heart in you mm-hmm. and a new mind. And I know I needed that. I needed that at that time. So I got down in front of the TV, and I, I, I prayed that prayer, and I stood up, and you know what? There was no blinding flash of light, no Damascus road. But shortly thereafter, first of all, I, I quit drinking. I quit following the party scene, and... I started meeting new friends. My old friends, you know how they just kind of disappear when you quit partying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I met new friends that actually went to church. So I got introduced to a fellowship of believers, and mm-hmm. God knows you need to be in fellowship, okay? And two years later, uh, I'm working for Sears, and I meet my wife, Julie. She's from Billings. I'm from Rapid City. We never would have met. It was a divine appointment. Mm-hmm. And she came down there to help build or, or detail um, merchandise in new Sears store. And, uh, you know, we've been married 36 years. We've got two Amen. great kids, three that's grandkids. Good. Yeah, that's, that's good. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you the one thing, two things I was the most concerned about, and it talks about what were your doubts. My biggest doubt was I'd become like my dad, that after 15 years of marriage that I would, would fail. I'd have, mm-hmm. you know, I'd, I'd chase after other women, and God has completely changed all that in me. Mm-hmm. But one thing I want to share with you guys uh, you know, even when you cross the line of faith, like, like Bob was sharing, the enemy still wants to come at you, right? Mm. And one of the first things when I crossed the line of faith that the enemy tried to do was tell me that I was responsible for the divorce, that it was my fault. He tried to come at me with those flaming arrows. And I want to share you a scripture that God put on my heart, Romans 8.28. And it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So all of those things work together for me. And any time that enemy comes at you, just like Jesus did in the wilderness, you want to use scripture to battle him back, amen? amen? The other thing, and I'll share, this is just recent. You know, I was in, I worked, I was in the corporate world for 31 years. I never stood up here and taught, ever. And when Russ asked me to come on staff, the enemy doesn't always come at you from the front. He'll come at you and try to stab you in the back. And the way he did it with me was to remind me of my past. And you know what he said? He said, he said, how can you? He said, how can you proclaim the cross when you burn one? Mm. And I just, you know, plain as day, I just got into First uh, mm. John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's right. Amen. That's right. So hang on to that scripture. Bob's going to finish up here. 
in addition to standing our ground, those shoes that we talked about, the gospel of peace, readies us for battle. We stand our ground, like Jeff talked about earlier. But we also move forward. It gives us traction in our lives, and we move forward. uh, God expects each one of us to go on the offensive and take the gospel of peace to others. If you go to 1 Peter 3.14, it says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you and to give the reason for the hope that you have. Give an answer and give a reason for the hope that you have. The sheets that we passed out, it's just one tool that you can use. Maybe you've never uh, wrote your story down on paper. Maybe you've, you, you've never even really thought about it, or maybe you've kind of talked about it with people and it's kind of been a little bit of chaos in your mind. But this will give you a nice little outline. And one thing that I noticed, too, is I did this years and years ago when, before Gene and I went on our first miss, missions trip to Mexico. And I wrote it out, and, and really what happens is it brings some details back to your mind that you hadn't thought about before. And it really encourages you, and it builds up your faith, even while you're kind of thinking about it and developing your story. And then, as you share your story with others, the Holy Spirit is so awesome, because the Holy Spirit knows exactly what that other person needs. And just relying upon the Spirit working through you and kind of knowing your own story, He will kind of change it and bring and emphasize different details of your story to talk to whoever you're talking to. And so it's really awesome. And I know that's happened to me several times to where I emphasize something. I didn't even kind of go in thinking I was going to, but I emphasized one thing, and that was the thing that really spoke to that person that I was talking to. And so that's why we give you this handout, we give you your sheets, and we just ask you to take some time this week and think about your story because God will use it, and that's the power of your testimony The power of your testimony defeats Satan, and that is an awesome weapon that we have at our disposal. So as we start closing here, I want us to bow in his presence just for a moment, and I have a couple questions that I want to ask you. As we're in this moment of of reflection, what's your story? Are you battling with God right now in your life? And maybe that's keeping you from from having this peace that we're talking about. Have you allowed Jesus to change that and to bring that peace into your life or not? Or, Or maybe you've experienced that peace at some point in time, but the circumstances of life, the maybe the things you got involved with just took you down a bad road and and you don't really know where you're at right now. Maybe today, maybe right now, Jesus wants to unfold your good story. Jesus is here today to bring you peace in your life. To bring you peace with God. To bring you peace with yourself. And bring you peace with others and get you in this relationship with him to change the whole course of your life. So as we're bowed in his presence, as we have this moment of reflection, I just ask you, if that's you, if you need that peace today, either for the first time or or you need to 
reconnect with God, I ask you to raise your hand. I'd like to remember you in prayer. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you very much. God, I just thank you that you're doing a work in people's hearts here today. Thank you so much, Jesus, for your sacrifice. I want each one of us just repeat after me. Father God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for sending him. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. I admit I'm a sinner. Take my sins away. I believe you died for me. You washed my sins away now. You've given me a new future. I repent. I accept. And I want to serve you. Be with me now, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We like to give a hand clap here at Connect. Let's give a hand clap to those people that have made that decision. Either your first time or maybe it's a reconnection. We're going to finish up here in a couple moments, but if you said that prayer, mark that on your connection card. We're going to collect those here in in just a few moments, but mark that down. We'd like to come alongside of you and remember you in prayer and pray for you. But before we move on, we have some next steps that we'd like to end with here at Connect Church. Number one, work through the handout, preparing your personal testimony, like I made mention earlier. Work through that this week. Maybe you've never thought about it, or maybe it's been a long time since you've thought about your story in, in its full, in its entirety. It'll be a great, great uh, thing for you to do this week, and it, re- will, it will boost your faith. It'll give you that shot that you need. Number two, practice your story on a Christian friend. Just kind of like maybe even a Q&A, kind of do a little role-playing. I know that's kind of uncomfortable. If you have a good friend, they wouldn't mind doing it with you, just kind of bouncing it off, off of them. And then what you can do is ask a non-Christian friend to practice it with you. That would be interesting. You never know what God is going to do when we just step out in faith with our non-Christian friends. At this point in time, if you're on the end aisle or close to the end aisle, would you please pick up the basket in that aisle, in that row, I mean, and go ahead and put in your card and put in your offering envelope and then just send it along and place it on the far seat so the ushers can get to it rather quickly. We appreciate that. Appreciate you guys coming today. It was a, a great day and, and I thank, thank the band. We had a great time of worship earlier. And, and right now what we're going to do is if you, everybody stands We're going to have a celebration song, and we'll see you guys next week, and we're going to continue talking about the armor of God again next week. We're going to talk about another piece. Thanks a lot. Ryan?